Acquisition, a podcast where we are going through every single episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, the greatest... Oh man, I had a good thing that I thought up and it, it totally left me. I promise I had like the most awesome thing, guys. It was really there. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the best show, Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Uh, opinions may vary. My name is Wade Bowen. And with me, as always, is James Nolan. Hey, I just want to point out that it's the beginning of our, our senior year on this podcast, so I got my pictures taken at Olin Mills. Did all of you guys get yours taken? <laughs> the, the yearbook said it needs it by... I've got some old pictures. I think I'm just going to give them. I don't know. Yeah. I haven't looked them over I got yet. my knee cooked up on a tree while I'm, uh, while I'm wearing a chambray shirt. Uh, I'm also wearing a tux and one. We're going to need to run that by editorial before that gets... Put- I'm trying not to make a Northam joke, because I'm sure it's... Uh, like, way worse by the time this airs than it is yeah, at this right. point yeah <laughs> that was james and also hugh crawford hey and yeah that's that's right we're in our senior year now we're going through the final and seventh season of star trek deep space nine and this is this an episode titled image in the sand yep this is episode one of season seven it originally aired september 30th 1998 and IMDb's description is as followed. Having returned to Earth a couple months ago, Cisco waits for the prophets to instruct him on what to do next. When he receives one, he begins searching for the woman behind the face in the sand in his vision. Meanwhile, back on DS9, Kira deals with a promotion and handling the decisions surrounding her command and finding herself wishing for the return of Cisco. And Worf deals with the loss of his wife. First thing I'd like to point out is why did they go with the name Image in the Sand, which is a really in- unevocative title when like Face in the Sand or right. Woman in the Sand or Woman in the Dunes, which is a famous book by a Japanese writer or something. Obvious. This is your version of this is not normal guys tweets <laughs> on, where you bring up the fact that the title's shitty. And here we are in our senior year and you're... You're bringing up a, that the title should, it should not surprise any of us that this has got a lame title. A very important episode with a lame title. It's completely in, in keeping with the character You're of the right. show. At this, point, at this point, I guess it's a house style that they have to conform to. It's the Marvel, right. it's the Marvel way or whatever. Yeah, the Iris Stephen Bear way, the most bland title. Someone actually probably proposed the woman in the sand, and he goes, no, too evocative. Go with image. Yeah. Oh, you gotta yeah. dial that down. A- image in the uh, terrain or something like that. <laughs> this is sort of like a last minute reboot of the entire series, I guess. Like, does anybody does anybody know the the actual behind the scenes working? Like, how did they come up with this retcon? This is a big retcon that they have. Is it a retcon? This. That's what my point. Is it? It feels like a retcon. We don't know the. Oh, I think it, we can't. We can't talk about this. We episode. can't talk about the first episode. Not much happens, and not much is sold in the. Well, first we episode. Kn- we know for a fact that it's not so and so's mom. Cisco's mom is not the person that. Oh yes. he thought. Okay. Okay. Yes. okay. So yes. was that? It was that like on like day one of Deep Space Nine writers room. They're like, okay, listen, Cisco's mom is not who everybody's gonna think she is for the first 
six but years. We never talked about her that much, anyways, right? We talked about brothers he didn't have, and then he has a sister. The, the, the thought process was that they all got kind of horny about the because they did all that stuff at the end of season six, and so they all spent the off season being horny about did really digging into the emissary stuff mm-hmm. and this was the idea they had and i guess it's to make it to lean out of the science and go into the mythic uh iris Stephen bear made some shit but i'm trying to be a little bit uh cautious because the big reveal isn't until episode two but that he wanted to make it a little more mythic, a little more like Herculean or, or something like that. And so they came up with this idea for Sarah, Cisco, and and all of those elements. So, but for a minute, it seems like Cisco ha- knew his mom or knew of her or something. And he didn't know this woman. And then he goes, wait, that's like, it seems like they, they were saying that like he grew up thinking another woman was his mom instead of yeah, just not knowing his mom. Right. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what it right. is. He says, he, his, he calls her mama. Yeah, I love yeah, mama. Yeah, yeah, and, and then Brock Peters refers to him as his stepmother. Okay, so there was another woman. Okay. Where his sister that we know he has and his brother that, his two brothers that disappeared somewhere in season three mm-hmm. presumably would have been th- his half-siblings. Yeah, that's interesting. Okay. This is, this is a kind of polarizing um, aspect of the series. Without going the the what we learned more in season two, right? For me, like, and I remembered this going in, and I was ready for it. But you know what? It 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 didn't it didn't bother me so much as I thought it might. You know what? We've we've had so much so many problems <laughs> with other aspects of the show that this isn't really like their highest crime, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, yeah, I don't really. Even... The pieces of this episode, they they've got. Three plots that they cram into it, like the Cisco plot, yes, uh, the Kira it's... plot, and then the Wharf plot. I don't, I don't think it's done that badly. It's like no, I, I, no, 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 no. I don't. Let me get this straight. I, uh, this is this is maybe a return to court. Part of the reason why it's not done badly is because they they're not reliant on having to finish it up in this episode. As far as, far as the Wharf right, stuff yeah. is concerned, yes. I should point out that the same writers wrote one and two. They're essentially continued. I mean, no, it's a two-parter. But yeah, it's yeah. not a yeah. two-parter. It's not a single-plotted two-parter. It's um like all of the story. Yeah. They don't wrap up any storyline at all in this. I mean, they're the three storylines that are concurrent. They don't wrap up any yeah, of them. Yeah, anytime they do that, anytime, anytime they do that, and we always that's when we like give them high high marks on their pacing because yeah. everything feels. Yeah. Like reasonable. The only thing I yeah. hate this episode is the shitty holodeck stuff again. Oh yeah. You know oh my what? god. Oh my god. I forgot about that. You know, like I mentioned on the Discovery Pod about how they cranked three plots into one episode, and it was like overstuffed and not great. For me, this works. And we talk about this show in like the kind of precursor to more serialized show. Yeah. Like these multiple plots like this. I mean, that's what Game of Thrones does. You know, they don't. Yeah. They're not. They're not running over each other just yet because they're like completely separate and they're they're they happen and the next thing happens and they don't necessarily ever. Yeah, this is the carrying of a of a of a truly serialized show. I do think that the best serialized shows try to carry on the storylines while focusing on a central theme that's contained to that one episode. I know that like that's a Sopranos thing. That was a Mad Men thing. They were really good at. And even like the best seasons of Game of Thrones, the episodes have. Like, this episode is about brothers and sisters being rendered apart or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But everything seems to fall in line to the next plot of the story. So, but this is not. I mean, this is all just, it's, 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 it's essentially a two parter. It's coded on Memory Alpha as a three parter 
because so much is rests on Jadzia Dax's death. So right. it's the Jadzia's death trilogy or whatever. But it's a true, it feels more like a two-parter than, but I could imagine when I saw this at the time, I would say, oh, wow, this start, they're going to do it. They're going to do serial it up this season. Right, right. And no more of this, like, this one's a, you know, this one's a, a French farce and this one's a Western and this <laughs> right. one is a hard boiled detective novel, <laughs> you know. Right, right. And it seems like I would be encouraged by that. I, I haven't watch the third episode so i don't know okay like i was gonna say if you do view it as a trilogy she dies in the first part this Mm -hmm. episode you could almost argue two of the three plot lines are dealing with her loss the Mm -hmm. oh yeah kira and odo doesn't really deal with it they're dealing with the romulans in that one Mm -hmm. but Worse is all about dealing with the loss of Jadzia, and especially that continues throughout the we, season. You could talk about and, Kira coming into her own without Cisco, which is yeah. probably, I mean, the full culmination of her plot line of the show. So this is it, true. Yeah. yeah. So um, oh, just being Colonel. Yeah, she's she's got a couple extra braids and a different haircut, and she's called Colonel. Colonel. Shoot, stop doing that. And she had to fight for that, by the way. Nana Visitor did. Had to fight for a promotion? She said, I'm literally the only character on the show that hasn't been promoted, uh, except for Odo. And, uh, and then Berman was like, but uh, you're a woman. And she's like, fuck <laughs> Well, you. even they promoted Jedzia at some point. So, I mean, because uh, I don't right. think that she they wanted her unequally yoked to her husband. She was a, she was a, yeah, she was a uh, lieutenant. Uh, lieutenant commander, right? Yes. Uh, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Oh, did she go to full commander at some point? I think well, she was promoted up to lieutenant commander. Maybe, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah, were both yeah. promoted up to lieutenant commander over the okay, course of the yeah. show. Even Bashir, which I don't remember Bashir getting a promotion. I don't either. But I guess maybe <laughs> once I find out, you know, he was like... Uh, Section you know, 31. Was, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's in, he's in charge of espionage. I know we haven't went back to talking. We, we, we've we tried to evolve and not talk about women's appearances, but uh, Kira's haircut? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it's cool. I'm, I like the fact cool. that it yeah. looks different. That yeah, that's yeah. what I'm, no, I'm, I'm saying yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. it works for I didn't notice <laughs> I didn't notice the like little Jedi braids mixed into it like until like You didn't notice that. <laughs> until like, like two thirds of the episodes and I was like, all right, oh that's like okay, she went to fine. Sandals Jamaica. <laughs> exactly. She yeah, did, yeah. yes. Yes. <laughs> Her and Odo have really, really letting it back. This episode actually 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 starts with her banging a steel drum and welcoming everybody back into work of the promenade. Hot, hot, hot is what she's playing. Do we want to just jump into it and start breaking this down? Sure, hit it. Go for it. Yeah, well, it starts off, we learn that she's a colonel now, and say what you will about Odo and Kira... It's it's lame, but it's it's the status quo now, and it it wasn't offensive. Anything that they did in this episode for me is just kind of lame that they're together. But it's no, I mean fine. it's officially at this point. I mean, th- th- I'm not, I'm fine with this. This is the best place they can go once they whatever. Right. But right, officially, right, right. Odo is now just Kira's boyfriend. Like there's you know there's characters on the show where like like you know on Killing Zoe there was the guy in the show that was just Sandra O's husband. You know like <laughs> that was his character, and that's now what Odo is. 
so that's fine. I'm is it, fine is with Killing that. Zoe on Film Rise? Is that what that's on uh, Hulu now? It's on. Oh, it's on Hulu. That's on. No, BBC I think America. I'm pretty sure Killing Eve is on Hulu, but Killing oh, Zoe. Fuck is you. That on, you're right. Is that oh my god. Hulu. You're right. I made a reference to shit. I have it. That's an Eric Stoltz, Roger Avery movie. Like how the oh, fuck shit. did that come out of my brain? <laughs> and I didn't. And I didn't even take. I didn't even blink at your fuck up. I was like, yeah, yeah, the Sandra Ocho. It's great. I was. I was chomping at the bit, waiting for you to get through before <laughs> so slap that right out of your mouth but see you fucked up because you threw me off because you didn't it's film struck no no film rise is what the you fuck know what is film, film rise film rise is a fake is a fake film struck and in it, it it has like the similar um it, they use the same color scheme and similar logo but they have like they advertise ninja turtles 2 and stuff uh, yeah. like that <laughs> it's like filmstruck but it's all the movies that got it that was, were rip offs of the popular movie that it's they have it's the go it's the gobots of streaming services so it's <laughs> yeah. like they 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 clearly designed everything so you would accidentally sign up for it because you heard Filmstruck was a thing. Yeah. And oh, then you're mad because it's, it's just uh, like Gordon Ramsay reruns and Ninja Turtles 2. Yeah, yeah. It keeps showing up on my Roku like yes. uh, load screen or whatever. And it's like, mm-hmm. watch this pop free TV that sucks ass. It's yes. all like it's all like Three Stooges. and <laughs> The streaming service that I like the most is, uh, have you ever sat through an ad for Gaia? The no. S- no. It's a film, it's a, for, for, uh, new age conspiracy theorists. <laughs> like it's Holy all shit. like it's well, all like ancient. Wade. It was nice having <laughs> a podcast <laughs> with we'll you. We'll never see well, him it's, again. It's all like ancient alien shit. And <laughs> yes. why is there? Why was there a high tech civilization found in Antarctica? And it just has that clip. And, and the answer is because it wasn't. Has the world today got you too stressed? And it, it is very like crystals, new age harmony, like reflexology, that kind of shit. I've been so tempted to just like get stoned and watch it but i'm afraid it's i'm afraid it really would like make me into a worse person like i would guys did you really know that like that all of a sudden i'm kyrie irving i'm talking about a flat earth this episode though uh Mm -hmm. kieran odo they're fine the cult of the paw wraith is like chanting outside the bajoran temple on the station i'm kind of rooting for him yeah yeah they uh i have a quote about that i Stephen bear believes that um that, that, that the show has uh, shown a, a very positive view towards religion and built the Bajoran religion up as a source of beautiful strength on the show. But, you know, sometimes religious people go too far. With those red armbands, like, you know, like Nazis. <laughs> so he wanted to show that sometimes what you put your faith in matters. A lack of faith, he thinks, is bad. That's what okay. I heard Stephen Bear said. Sure. But unthinking religion is also bad. But in no way did they show that the Pares were unthinkable. I mean, I, I mean that guy did, the guy should have just said, well, you know, I like the Pares because they tell it like it is. Right. <laughs> they say the things I'm thinking. When I was watching this with my uh, uh, lovely partner, she was like, oh, and, and when Odo was like, well, you know, some people find comfort in hate and fear. And she's like, topical, you know. <laughs> and Odo found optimism because he loves Kira. Sort of an evergreen idea you'll never be really outdated if you if you 
Make that your message of your sci-fi show. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> Been three months, basically, since the, the Netflix description said since Ducat killed Kira, but nobody mentions that they know Thanks. that Ducat did it, which I... I actually was looking for and kudos to them but uh and then Worf has been doing convoy duty and that sucks for him do we have the convoy song that we could enter like <laughs> I'm trying to I can't remember I just remember I said breaker breaker this is the <laughs> yeah. what duck this is the that's all I could think about when they were talking about Worf's com- or convoy, <laughs> convoy duty, duty. Uh, well they were protecting stem bolts man uh but anyway. right Yes. Nice callback. No, that, it's a win. That was and... fine. I didn't mind yeah, the yeah. stem bolt because they were dealing with with Rom, uh, not Rom, Nog. Because Nog was like, oh, I'm scared, or like, <laughs> I sure wish we weren't doing. I'm sure glad we're not doing dangerous stuff. And Worf jumped his ass. Yeah, yeah. They clearly did it because of that. I know that sometimes when it says James has got a couple questions, that means James is going (laughs) to just he's going to unload on something on the planet. And I'm really not (laughs) the white snake. The white snake snake song. Here I go again on my own. (laughs) But I'm really not unloading on this. I literally have questions about it because there's things about it I like, and there's things about it that I mean, I just I I don't I don't know how I feel. Mm-hmm. Um, so the whole Worf plot is an interesting plot because it's got that he's, I don't know, shit, should I talk about this in the next episode when it's all completed? But it's that he's got this sort of, it's not that he's got grief, he's not depressed, he's got like this, like, sort of blue balls, like he's uneasy. And uh-huh. that's an interesting thing that you're kind of not, that took some thinking. How does Worf handle this? How do Klingons handle death? And all of that sort of stuff. And it was... Not so much that he was depressed or unconsolable, but ultimately you find out that it's because he wasn't able to grieve the way he grieves. Ultimately, I guess, like, I think it's like a really, um, I think it's a really, it's all ultimately a positive view towards grief. It seems to me that if I was just unthinkingly guessing, I would say that Klingons, that he would need to seek revenge. Somebody killed her. Right. Oh, yeah. Even if it's Amon Tark, what's the fuck his name of the, the Pawraith. The ba- yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, P- the Piccolo of Padres. If it was going to be him, like that would be something that he would want to do. So the, like, the, to have experience killing gods because they got they do troublesome. Right. So why would they? Yeah. And, and do I'm they just, even do they even know who killed her? Like that would be the big mystery, right? Like how did she die? I bet that immediately Ducat shows up and they go, Ducat, you killed. Yeah, we know. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm sure it's going to be unthinking. I'm sure they're. I'm sure it's not that they're being clever. I'm sure that this, that they're not thinking about it. I'm sure they'll just like, but yeah, that's what it is. Even if we said that they wouldn't have had like security cameras in the prayer room, they would have still had all kinds of technical data about ships approaching and not approaching and phasing in and not phasing in and who went, like went Yahoo into the, you know, the right. The, the, and- there's all kinds of like just scanning information that they would have. Not to mention that foaming at the mouth, Ducat would be like, w- w- he would not waste an opportunity to say, "Hey, Cisco, I killed your best friend, motherfucker." He probably did, uh, you know, upload some sort of uh, ISIS style video, <laughs> taking credit for it, and then, and then ends it with just a reminder, Kira, I fucked your mom, Colonel. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Colonel. <laughs> uh, I, I do I, like even to your good their good approach to Klingon grief like Bashir mm-hmm. says yeah Klingons usually get over the shit real fast but I don't know what his problem is and then then O'Brien has to go drinking with them and that was a nice suit too. and yeah. just in general I'll just tip my hand Worf's uh grief over Jadzia is probably one of the things that I remember liking the most about from my first watch is uh-huh. that like it is uh it's very palpable. It's like it's a real very finite, thing. Yeah. and it's very like, and that shows you like you know that some men 
it's not just compartmentalization. It's like that some men do do this through some sort of healthy way, and that's and, you know that's different for other people. And I and I do get that if it was just about exacting revenge against her, that would be that could be seen as toxic. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm, uh, like mm-hmm. in the uh, the unapproachable words of Ian Neeson, revenge sometimes drives. <laughs> I'm sorry, uh, but like I mean, obviously, you know, but obviously, you don't want to like that. You only get solace through revenge. That's a horrible right, message right. for the show to have. It just seems like that's the first thing you would think of, and so the idea that he isn't driven by revenge to avenge her is is an alien instinct, and therefore probably a good instinct in the show. Just it it does mm-hmm. seem not like a person. <laughs> But that's sure. fine. Space is weird, you know? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's a weird religious thing at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Thing. So that's what I meant by, like, I'm not attacking it. I just, it is something to point out that it's... And it's a weird religious thing that everybody just goes along with. They're like, okay, yeah, we're going to help you out. Like, they don't really believe in Stovacor, do they? Do they? I don't know. No, but yeah. But, what? you know... What do you mean they don't believe in Stovacor? Like Bashir, does he think that there's a real Klingon heaven? No, he just respects their beliefs enough to be like, I'm going to help out. Well, they, I mean, also, I, I, you know, spoiler alert for the next episode, there's sort of a scene out uh, laying out why they would want to go yeah, in, a, yeah. in a highly negative and jaundiced view. <laughs> so uh, that, I, that I think it was an interesting and good scene. Too, so maybe you got screamed at a lot and uh, <laughs> like, okay, all right, I gotta do better. Yeah, this is, I mean, this is Bear writing this, so Bear and Bimler. So I'm, I'm giving him compliments, folks. We're back on Earth where at Cisco's Creole Kitchen, where serving etouffee and and Ben is playing the piano, his baseball falls off, and he has a vision of the face in the sand on Tyree. And he's like, I gotta find her. Then they cut back, and then we. The the Kira plot, we get to know a, a new Romulan is on the station, Senator Kretak, and it's like, holy shit, there's an, it's a Romulan with a personality. <laughs> you know, yeah, I know. Other than, I'm a Romulan and I'm an asshole. You this know, is like, another one of those roles that they butcher through revolving door casting by not locking up these people in longer contracts. She's really good, and then like in another episode, she's played by Adrian Barbeau. So I saw Swamp Thing in a, at a formative age, and I mean, Adrian Barbeau is okay, but it is... Uh, yeah, she is an interesting character. It's a good character. The, and the, the Klingon advance on Monak 4, decimated by mostly Romulans, and now they're stuck in the, they're bottled in the Chintaka system that's happening. In the credits, I watched the opening credits for some reason, because it's the first season, first episode of the season, and, and there's Colonel Kira gets credits as Colonel instead of Major, and there's some character named Ezri Dax, and I don't know what that's about, but uh, <laughs> that'll come back later. She's Bobby the Rocker's uh, ex-girlfriend. Uh, right. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> whatever, mom. Yeah. <laughs> All I said is this fucking good hand. Famous for saying, I, I dumped you because I thought my dad liked you, but he was just being sarcastic. Oh, man, I can't believe I forgot that she was in Kids in the Hall. She's also a, in Brain Candy as a different character. She was, cool. just, she was just into being in the Kids in the Hall. I think if you were a Toronto, like if you were an actress... At that yes. point, yeah. Right. yeah. Well, we'll talk more about her later. Uh, O'Brien and Worf have a drinking buddy where they learn about like why he's pissed off. So, well, you have this interesting scene where uh, O'Brien they actually give O'Brien something to do that doesn't involve like bitching about his family. Oh, I was gonna say actually, 
everything that O'Brien says in this episode actually makes like the most oh, yeah. sense for O'Brien. This was, I think, the best O'Brien episode. And we get Wayun and Damar also drinking Kanar, which is a, a thing that he gets to be known for. He's kind of... A, but... They subtly bring in his alcoholism and his <laughs> emotional disquiet, I guess, or general... like. Yeah, Damar is, is the MVP of the season, guys. I'm just going to tip their hands. Damar is the MVP, so... He's, he's pretty good, yeah. yeah. Casey Biggs. Yeah, so auspicious beginning for him. Yeah, yeah, and he's like, Wayun comes in and cock blocks him from when he's like, it's like, don't you drink enough from the bottle? And passive aggressive co-worker dialogue. <laughs> right. <laughs> Do you ever wonder about what's what the celestial battle that's going on in the wormhole? It's like that was fascinating, right? And Wayne's like, I don't give a fuck. I'm pissed that it's closed, but you know what? I guess I have to be thankful to Kakat because we're actually winning right now. So that's the whole thing scene. And then then it cuts back to Cisco where he's he's creating a his Skyrim character and he's playing as a woman. So he's got his, he's making his, <laughs> he's putting his facial uh, configuration together. That must, have tw- like 20 some odd years ago, 21 years ago, that must have seemed like pretty badass technology. <laughs> right. Now there's like 50 iPad apps that could do the same thing. This is just, a, it was a small thing that came to me. Did the ambiance or pitch of the Cisco's Cajun kitchen feel different? It seemed kind of like a, like it seemed like a higher class eating establishment. It didn't, It no. It, it, to me it didn't, but I mean that's not, that might just be because. Yeah, maybe just... I was just remembering because there were scenes in the kitchen, but it looked kind of like a, you know, like a, like a, like in Memphis what we got these barbecue places where it's like it's a hole in the wall or it's shitty but it's faint it's yeah. renowned i thought they were going for that but it looked like it was just a fancy restaurant it felt it felt about the same to me too yeah but yeah it, maybe, maybe i'm maybe darker. i'm remembering it remembering it yeah. differently. i mean the sign looks like a you know tgi fridays out front but, you know <laughs> yeah and it does irritate me that like i mean and this is the trouble of doing future things is that it doesn't look like restaurants now like if you walked into a restaurant that had that uh interior decorating you'd go how fucking old is this? Like, <laughs> like when's the last time they've decorated this place? This fucking place is like mid nineties, and they, <laughs> right. you know it's, that's and so you can't fault them for that. But you have to. That's why you have to think. You know, you have to like fashion. Fashions looped back around. It's yeah, like, well, I guess everybody's into really shitty mid nineties interior decorating. Yeah, that's what they did in Looper, and I like that about it. But that's that's. <laughs> That's another movie. That's not this. Also, Ready Player One. It cuts back to Worf in his green pajamas, and he is not a merry man. I thought it looked like his. That even got rem- menf- uh, mentioned in the scene. Mentioned the Three Musketeers thing, and then he goes get more Vic Fontaine. I know it's probably elicits a groan from everybody, and it did for me the first time. But you know what? The second time I watched this episode, I was there for the Vicks because it let because it it was it took it just. If you had better music and if it weren't Vic or whatever, it took time to let Worf just sit there and you see it's a very subtle and you see him kind of just deal with it. And it's it take it's not fast. It doesn't rush the scene. It lets him sit in his grief for a little bit and he's he's bottling it up. And then at the end of it, he breaks and I thought it actually like the second time around, like the first time I was like, oh, fuck, Vic scene and he's doing a song so but the second time i was like let me see if i can uh appreciate this a different way and i was like you know what i think i do because it it just like for all the stuff they crammed into this episode it's like a minute of just wharf sitting with himself which was nice that is not a but you uh, yeah i mean that that's probably nice i i I do like the moment i do like that they took the time to deal with wharf's grief and how Mm -hmm. and how and the 
and how that all and it's not familiar and it's not used. I, what the whole time I'm just like, why would okay? Why is Jay Z's favorite fucking song like a fucking like song from the forties? Why did they yeah. call like the next scene? That's what I don't understand. Is he? He he tore up the bar and then like so Quark so they have to get the they have to call his manager or or Bashir <laughs> has to come in to a fake fucking room with yeah. fake with a fake person and talk to them about how Worf tore up his bar and I was like don't people routinely come in here and fuck Cthulhu monsters like what the <laughs> f- who fucking cares yeah just that's say a, end the, program like who that, fucking that, cares. <laughs> That was the same thought I had the first time too. It's like the the first thing we learn about Star Trek holodecks is yeah. is is He's basically re- whatever you do inside of them doesn't really matter. Right. Yes. I guess maybe maybe they give Vic some autonomy since he's self-aware that he doesn't want to freak. But yeah, it's silly like just say reset club done <laughs> it's fixed. Yeah, and t- yeah, tell tell Vic to shut the fuck up. <laughs> Vic is such know. a prima donna, man. Come on, Vic. <laughs> that was wedged in. With the, sure. that, I felt like that was just. It could have easily been that Worf got irritated by watching people play Tongo and then yeah. tore up Quark's bar, and that would be a real problem where Quark would have to like, hey, this fucking like uppity up, this like high level like manager, uh, high level officer has been tearing up my shit, like right. fucking make restitution, and then it becomes like it's got. I don't know. It's it's got more stakes than nothing. <laughs> See, like, yeah, I don't know. I think I'm starting to come around on Vic. Sorry, guys. <laughs> but you just said that the thing that you liked about Vic that is that they let us see where the wharf wasn't mishandled emotionally. It's not yeah. a pro Vic thing. That's just that well, Vic is that I like that scene in the song when I when I was like, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna get my mind right, <laughs> and I was like, all right, I think I think maybe I can go with this. That might be a superpower of yours, where <laughs> where you put like put your shoulder into liking something and then it happens. Yeah, well, like the 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 Star Trek trope of these people in the future are really into this dumb thing from the twentieth century. I've had to. That's just something Star Trek does all the time. So I can either get annoyed about it, or I can just yeah, you know, it is. I can learn to lo- <laughs> I can learn to love the bomb. You well, know? it's. It's horribly boomer. I'll never give it that because I don't have to. Like, I don't know. I'm not married to it. I'm not. I'm not arguing that anybody has to, and I totally understand. Because, like I said, it took. I had. I had to come at it twice. I was like, because at first, because it's like you know, first impressions, and and you know what? I think Vic's stupid. So fuck it. And then, but then I was like, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Some people love Vic. Let me see if I can. You know what? I think I like this thing. But, yeah, hey, man. I can't, I can't fault anybody for not liking. So why did you like it? Uh, well, all the stuff I, I said, you know, like and just having a song, like, all right, song can be good for setting emotion sometimes. If you know, okay, I know. I was look, man. I, I mean, I, I was as surprised as any as anyone knew, and I was like, wait a minute, I think I like this scene now. Shit. It would be nice if her favorite song was the Thelonious Monk song that Cisco was fiddling with the whole episode. Yeah, that would have been nice. <laughs> so at least we had had some you know sort what? of connection. You sold me. That would have been a better <laughs> bit of uh, synergy there. I don't just know jazz that well. I looked it up. I didn't know that was a Thelonious <laughs> oh, okay. Monk song. Uh, well, you almost yeah. look pretty cool there, James. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, uh, yes, I... Kira and 
Kretek get along pretty well. She's got a very long voice. And the Rom- I mentioned she has personality, which is nice for a Romulan. These shows don't always pass the Bechtel test, but this kind of, you know, the having two high-powered women in a, in a struggle of wills uh, oh, yeah. of high consequences... That's uh, that's kind of accidentally Holy progressive shit. on a progressive. show like this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they totally pass the Bechtel test. That is well, I'm actually yeah. I mean, we don't bit. always talk about, but generally, when a show with only two women and uh-huh. the women, you know, one of the one of the big knocks on season six of uh, my big knocks is that nobody fucking had any re- relationships with each other. Um, that would so that led to Jadzia and just didn't have a lot of. Interactions. The only interactions I remember them having is over how Jedzia wants to have a baby, right? So and they're uh, e- they're either talking about Worf or they're talking about Odo or Shakar. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, they're girlfriends. And so it's finally nice to see like where you have this sort of yeah, just two interplays between high two high. Yeah, that was satisfying. Back on Earth again, we learned that uh, Sarah is. Cisco's mom's name because we learned he about beats the shit out of his dad to get that information. Yeah, it was like it was almost Chinatown. Like, she's my sister, she's my daughter. No, (laughs) who is she? Uh, Chill out, Cisco. (laughs) Yeah, right. Um, then uh, Brock Peters looked actually shook. (laughs) Yeah, right. He's an old man, leave him alone. Uh, um, uh, Don Draper's uh, domestic was uh, fucking what's her name. I only know her from I know her mostly from Mad Men, so that's why I kind of keep calling her that. De- De- yeah. Deborah Lacey, she oh, um, okay. yeah, she uh, talks about acting against David. Well, she doesn't in this episode, but she does later. She okay. talks about it like, and she was like, just the experience of being around him is so intense that you yeah you have to. There's like an adjustment period to being near him and then being away. Like I don't know. I just think he was. I think he was an intense son of a bitch. And like, not everything, a son of a bitch. I just, I mean, I, he, everybody says he's nice. Yeah, but everything I've heard about him, they're like the direct, like in the documentary, they talk about mm-hmm. like just when you go up with Avery Brooks, he is a fucking presence and he is, he's intimidating because he knows exactly what he wants. If you're like the second act producer, you know, second assistant director or whatever, he'll be like, no, uh, I think the camera should come around here and do this. I'm going to, we'll go over here. Mm. Like, and you're like, yes, sir, Mr. Brooks. It's like, he's, he's a guy that knows exactly what he wants to do in a scene and and you better go along with it. Which is why I want to hear more, uh, just in general, like as a fan of films from that period and stuff like that, like the American History X movie, which was filmed around this time, is like considered one of the great shit show filmings in history because of all of like specifically Ed Norton. Ed Norton and the director. The director was a crazy son of a bitch too. He was like this Banksy style like uh, short films director that got this big job and like lost his like he like he's never worked. I don't think he's worked in Hollywood again. I don't like he was he was mercurial and and he was and so was Ed Norton and. It's so was and you know Ed, Edward Furlong was probably still was on heroin at that point. Mm-hmm. So like I just want to know like I just want a warts and all documentary about that podcast and I or about that movie and I specifically want to know about Avery Brooks's role like how he yeah. contributed to the batshittedness of that filming. You know he clashed. Uh, I'm sure. Like yeah yeah. If I mean it seems like that director was a cra- like legit crazy. 
yeah. uh, for American. I, and Ed Norton was like on the biggest. I mean, he's known for being one of the most egotistical fuckers in Hollywood. Yeah, it's just it's interesting. I'm I'm very interested. In I never saw it. Oh but, really? I know. Not, right? It's, it's weird. A pretty. It's like twenty two years old. I haven't yeah. seen it since since it came out in the theater. Yeah, mm. I remember Stacy Keach plays. Uh, I don't remember. He's supposed to be a real person. He's the same person that Patrick Stewart plays in Green Room. That same oh. person. Yeah. Okay. Um, the guy who wrote the Turner Diaries. Um, okay. Yeah. Oh, and, shit. Yeah. So he's All right. also um, the Voyager, the actress who uh, masturbated in front of her teen neighbors. Yes. Kess, yes, she's in it too. Oh, oh, oh! You got, you mean you in got real two sentences. Yes. You got two sentences out, and I knew exactly who you were talking about. <laughs> yeah, like you oh, got two words out in that sentence. Uh, the girl yeah. who masturbated, Kess. <laughs> Back to this again. Sure. Uh, we learned that Sarah was married to Brock Peters for like three years, and then. She moved to Australia because somebody had a solution to what happened when everybody disappeared. No, I'm sorry. Leftovers <laughs> reference, everybody. <laughs> and it, she, she went to Australia and died, and it was kind of a mysterious thing. But And then he never told Cisco where he came, that, his, that was his mom and everything. We talked about that a little bit. Mm. Uh, he, the only other secret is his gumbo, and he's taking that to the grave. Then. Then we we cut back to the promenade where uh, Kretak is like, mm, I really like this turtle penis. Uh, it's, mm. it's got a distinct flavor. They get along, and she's like, try to not Romulan Osel twist. It's very tart. And I love they... Romulans. I just love them. <laughs> yeah, like, like there's the most teasing race on the show to have never really been. Like every time they tried to go into the paint with them, like on Star Trek Nemesis, where like they just mm-hmm. it sucks. Or the 2009 reboot. Yeah, or the one where they destroy Air their Band. planet, and then you've got a mine, an angry miner, destroying <laughs> yes. everybody. Yes. Yeah. yeah, you have that. So like that's on both of them. That's both mm-hmm. Nemesis and Star Trek. The movie. Oh right. <laughs> but uh, because it's Tom Hardy was a mi- was on the mining colony too. Yeah, like where they're all fucked up. So like, I, like really, you only really get that really great TOS episode. It's like a ship battle. That's like uh, a re- like hunt reunification for... is the and then the reunification the is yeah that's the other big one. So it's yeah. those two. But yeah, no, it's super interesting. And I mean, I know that they're basically essentially like Romans the race i get that and i like that that's a good place to start for Mm -hmm. you know because rome rome is a complicated subject with a lot of different you know so every time i see them they always seem so disarming and you know because they're they're like vulcans but that are tapped into their emotion that it seems like they're healthier than vulcans that's (laughs) that would be my take on them if i ever had to write that's that's the craziest thing about them yeah. Is that is that the good guys are the Vulcans and then you got the bad guys who are the Romulans, but the Romulans actually seem they do seem like the more well adjusted of the two races. Right. Well, yeah. cuz they're they're in touch with their emotions, therefore you can't trust them cuz they're devious <laughs> devious emotions. That seems like that's that's that old that's a very old way of a very boomer way of looking at the world that still exists mm-hmm. on assholes like I mean that's a it's almost a right-wing thing where logic and reason beats your fucking emotion, you know. Right, that, right, right. You know, that's what Vol- that Spock would say fact do not care about your feelings i mean that's <laughs> right. so 
so the idea that you have essentially Vulcans who are as smart and as capable as Vulcans, but like, you know, let, let themselves get fucking pissed every now and then. Right. But all right. Also I got, they, I, oh, I was going to say, all right, you got it. Cancel Discovery. Next Star Trek show is about a, is a, is a, about Romulans and they're the heroes. This is what I would do for Star Trek. This, I'm going to say this on everything now. This is what I would do was to Star Trek <laughs> Discovery season three is that I would make it about that Romulan captain from that TOS episode. And because it's played by the same actor who plays Sarek, cast <laughs> the same actor who plays Sarek in Discovery to play that general, and it would be amazing. All right, yeah, <laughs> I get everything I want. If you're gonna do, if you're gonna do fan service from TOS, give me the characters I give a shit about. Sure, sure. That Romulan uh, captain. Oh, just one note. Just two little acting notes I noticed in this season, this episode that I liked. I liked when. Cisco's creating his Skyrim character. He gives Jake just a little peck on the cheek out of nowhere. It's nice. And and when <laughs> Worf is drinking blood wine from the bottle, he puts his pinky up. <laughs> As one does. Yeah. As one yeah. does. Yeah, um, Worf is... I, or Quark is slowly, I think, starting to, to turn into a... What was his name? That gay-coded character from Lost in Space. Uh, the doctor, Smith. Dr. Yeah, Smith. yeah, Dr. Smith. Yeah, I think that like he's slowly becoming the the pansy drain on everybody's time mm. and initiative. That's why yeah. that that one caller who doesn't like Worf, I think that's mm. a lot of people feel that way about him. I meant Quark. Oh, Quark. Yeah, I think he's starting to become that um, overly. Oh, on this one, oh, on this particular mission, I could see how you say that. And yeah, yeah. And that, oh, I see that, what you're that, saying, yeah. That he's starting to become like this comic relief of a... Or a C-3PO. Maybe that's probably a better... Ah, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, where he's just... Oh, 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 why don't we talk this out? Yeah. Yeah, but I do but I do think that that's playing into it, is the stuff with the pinky and, and stuff like that. Well, no, that was Worf with the pinky, though. Oh, fuck. Then never mind. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, it's just, just a little... Uh, you blink and you miss it. It's just something. Mm. Yeah. They, then they are like, well, we can't. We can't get Ross to just give Worf a battle, but we can get Martok too. They get Martok in. Uh, Brock Peters gives Cisco a necklace from his mom, and it's got ancient Bajoran on it. And he and another detail: just when Cisco is preoccupied, just give him a shit ton of pads because he's just like oh, yeah. looking up ancient Bajoran. And I need more pads. And it says the orb of the emissary. Uh, yeah. Yeah, the writers were unprepared for how, how much data storage could be stored on a small iPad, but they're also un <laughs> this is something I've noticed too, like just because you're I was thinking about with the iPads. When they're all sitting around, like there's nobody's piddling mm -hmm. and piddling is a big thing in like modern life, you know? Like I just sat and look at like me and my dad watched the Super Bowl together last night, but we basically just looked at our phones. <laughs> yeah, you were texting <laughs> you, us the whole yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. Like so I mean like, you know, everybody's just and my dad was just on Facebook, we were making jokes of things that people were saying on Twitter and stuff. Uh, we were sharing the best of the I made queso memes. So <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't know what that is. That oh, that I was mean. that's pretty great. We should we'll get we'll fill you in later. But um, so like nobody's piddling on these in the future. Everybody's just staring, yeah. looking at each other intently. And I, but Cisco piddles every now and then, which is a nice touch. He does, yeah. yeah. Uh, but but. Uh, Sirach Lofton does not, no. even though his character would be so buried in his fucking phone. <laughs> right. Uh, so. Yeah. And then uh, Siska, I mean, Kira and Kretak have been been getting along so well that she let him build a 
hospital on a Bajoran moon of Damar or whatever. But it turns out that she's a Romulan, so she's sneaky, and they find that they're sneaking all these. They won't let the Vulcans onto the hospital, even though they share physiology, and Odo, who is, you're right, just Kira's boyfriend at this time, but he's also like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, by the way, uh, look at all this trilithium isotopes. They've got Romulan plasma torpedoes, and Kira is like, uh-uh, this shit will not fly, and she goes and storms off and, and, and you know, yells about it, and it's nice. Uh, uh, Worf becomes first officer again for Martok. Then Cisco is like, I'm going to Tyree. I'm going on vacation. And then this Bajoran in the alleyway finds him, and he's like, this is sacred movement. Mikrak dora pakran toy velastat. Yep. I had to write it down. Pahranamor, paranavaktan. Stab, stabby, stab, stab. Cisco gets stabbed pretty gruesomely. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, they, they, they use real blood. Looking at you, Discovery. Uh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> it's not CGI. And it's a new era of, for Bajor with the Cult of the Pah race. Then we learn that Worf is going on this suicide mission. It's not a mission. It's suicide, Quark says, because he's the hand-ringer C-3PO type. And then we learned that Bashir is going because he wants to maybe, because, oh, we believe in Stivacor now? No, but he just wants to do the right thing because honor her memory because it's a very dubious cause. And O'Brien is like, well, I can't let my friend Bashir go out there and die, so I'm going to go too. So that happens. And then Kira is like, fuck it. Hospital, not a problem. These 7,000 plasma torpedoes, though. You got to get rid of those weapons or we're going to do a blockade or whatever. And the politics in this were kind of believable and nice, too. So, I mean, like, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Added an extra dimension yeah. mm-hmm. to the story, uh, you know, of the war. You know, getting along with your new allies. We've had enough scenes to cut back that Cisco has recovered from his stabbing because uh, I guess Jake or his dad beat the guy over the head with a bag of potatoes or oh, clams oh. or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I think there are clams. I think maybe yeah, you yeah. won that argument. <laughs> um, uh, uh, but I do get the. I do. I do. Uh, com- I can bitch at Iris Stephen Bear if I want to. Uh, I can sure. find something to bitch about. Uh, I don't. The Cisco in the white priest row, whatever. Like, like it's very. Uh, it's coated. I guess it's monk robes or whatever. It was what it oh, looks it's like. It's the kitchen I, attire. He's working in the kitchen at his dad's restaurant. That's what I thought it was. He's at the yeah. piano all day. Yeah, right. in his in his kitchen gear, like he should be. Nobody else like, is wearing that, even the dad. Yeah, well, he's, he's wearing the it. server though. He's not in the. He's not. The yeah, they're kitchen. different roles. Like the well, dad. He's not the. He's not cooking. He's playing at the. He, they said your dad. He said he's been at the piano for like two That's days because they something. let him do like he could peel potatoes and then like wander around like I, nobody cares what the son owner's son i does. guess my <laughs> point is is whatever logic they use in the show what it is there is to make him look saintly i i guess i just read it as restaurant attire but. yeah me too and so he's never been portrayed in all white but this whole episode and then in the next episode I mean, in the, yeah, for half of the next episode, he's portrayed in this like white garbs that are, I, I think, and since we are being sent on a theological trek for him, right. I, I do think that it's 
it's supposed to be like I, I I felt that it was a numb-fisted way to make him look like he's on a spiritual journey by putting him in a in in I mean what everyone that doesn't look like the way people dress in a kitchen maybe and then they do it, but that's not what it reads it reads as loose-fitting linen whites that's a religious thing that's what cults, I mean cult leaders wear that I, I um, it might be might have actually been a consideration to put him in white but for me it just read as as kitchen attire it did. For me too, because he'd be he was it's peeling potatoes. Funny, but it, that, what, I never saw other people wearing all white. Um, we didn't see any other other people in the kitchen. But like on that home front episodes, when they show people in the kitchen, I think they're wearing white too. Yeah, they showed them all like yeah. Are yeah. they wearing in home front chef smocks yeah. or are they wearing like Buddhist robes, which is what he <laughs> what he's wearing? <laughs> I, I I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, it's a good question, and, and it's yeah. a, and, and I know that they they picked it on purpose because the the red the white on because of I mean it's a people don't like to shoot are, on characters in white them, suits. You are giving them credit. <laughs> and yeah, I know. I think if, if, they I, if, I, to put, if I read if I read it like a memory alpha all this that they did an interview and this is like their insight. No, I haven't. Read it, that, it, yeah. it wouldn't sur- it wouldn't surprise me. Like mm. what I'm saying is what you're saying is in, what you're saying is entirely plausible, and I you're you're <laughs> you could be right. Also, if they were just half-assing, like, having them hang out in, in kitchen garb, I would believe that, too. Like, if they weren't <laughs> as thoughtful in their crafting of this, yeah. I would believe that, too, James, yeah. is what I'm saying. I, I would need to watch it again, but I don't—I I, I think that just—it's very—I mean, I'm looking at it now. It's very particular. It's not—I mean, it doesn't <laughs> read kitchen staff to me at all. Because he's, A, he's got no head—like, there's no—I don't know. Anyway, so he's very free flow, but then the blood on it— uh, which seems like a very, you know, blood on white and all of this sort of stuff. It just seemed like a, it seemed heavy handed to me, but neither one of you, it didn't to y'all. So it's not, maybe <laughs> it it's not, not heavy handed. Maybe it's not heavy handed, but it, <laughs> it seemed heavy handed to me. Uh, but I, I could be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so he's, I mean, but then he's, he's all better at the end and he's got, uh, he's got regular civvies on as he's out of his white at the end when mm-hmm. he's there. That's okay. He finds more on. white to get into later. Oh, you're, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And then they're going on vacation to Tyree. <laughs> he finds his Assassin's Creed robes. <laughs> right. Uh, actually, they're, they're, they're like Federation issue, though, too, because they, they match everybody's. Yeah. yeah. And there is a press, but yeah. Uh, but before we get to those sweet ass linen robes, uh, we, uh, you know, second part of a trilogy, I guess. This character that I haven't seen before, but for some reason has credits on the op- <laughs> as as billing on the opening credits comes in, and dun dun dun, it's Ezri Dax, and it's a nice little reunion. Um, she comes in remember. and she goes, she goes, uh huh, that's my <laughs> shit. I've been around the block a few times, and it ain't gonna go down like that, cause she ain't no hollaback Dax. She's a she's a new character. That's Which right. What are you guys going to put for your rewatch on this? It's a pretty solid episode. I'll put it in eight. Mm, seven. I was going to go six, but because I just don't feel it sure. doesn't do this. This doesn't hit. And it, the weird thing about this episode, it's kind it, of a low key. I mean, it's the beginning. Yeah, it's yeah. kind yeah. of a low key. Yeah. Um, it's, it's kind of hanging out with your space friends, seeing where they've been for the last three months. New status quo. It's kind of nice. Kind it's kind of nice to spend time with the cast and not have to be running around doing a bunch of like bullshit that's going to irritate me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, like, no, I, I yeah, I think. It, I mean, it's weird because it's like a half an episode, right? But yeah, 
Or half a story? That's seven. Well, and you're you're at a six, huh? Yeah, I'm at a six. It just doesn't. This this stuff yeah, yeah, doesn't yeah. do anything. It isn't. It's not offensive. It's not offensive, but it it also doesn't get you hard. Uh, but I don't. I can't imagine a situation where I'm 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 jonesing to watch it. Right. Uh, and I think the stuff I actually remember pretty clearly. The mom stuff. Mm-hmm. You know the wharf stuff. I kind of yeah. So nah, I don't need to revisit it too terribly much. Mm-hmm. But I would, you sure. know. Yeah, oh. you wouldn't be like, get the shit off when yeah, you're like, wait, in your no, 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 no. It's not the, it's not the Ferengi <laughs> yeah. episode mm-hmm. where they change where cork. they cut off his back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what do you guys think the people of IMDb think of this episode? Eight point one. Okay, so I you very well may be right. I don't I don't know. Um, and I do think that it's a good episode. Just so like mm-hmm. I, I mean I think quality wise we're 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 back to a bump up. For maybe where we left off, um, people I people don't... do dislike where they go with Cisco, so maybe you're right. Oh yeah, maybe there's that, but I wonder if people like I don't know how the general fan base responds to Ezri Dax. I think oh, they right. like her. So give us a number. <laughs> I'm just laying out my unknown, the known unknowns. Uh, mm-hmm. Eight point one. I'm gonna go 7.8. Both of you are high at the seven point six. Okay. All right. I mean, it, it may be because it's low, because it's a chill episode. I mm-hmm. think so. It's yeah. just a, it's a remarkably chill episode. Yeah. It's a hangout. It's the Jackie Brown of <laughs> season <laughs> openers. <laughs> I like Jackie Brown. I like this one, right? But yeah. Do you know what? It's, do, it's you not... know what do you know what Quentin Tarantino says about people who tell him his their favorite Tarantino movie is Jackie Brown? He says, "Then you don't really like Quentin Tarantino." <laughs> maybe nowadays maybe i don't as much <laughs> maybe he's onto something there <laughs> yeah, Jackie really? a fucking he great says that movie. to people yeah it's kind of an asshole thing to pe- it like, well is, right? it's because he feels like he got he was he got fear, fearful of the sophomore even though it's his third movie fearful of the sophomore slump and changed his game well, you know, <laughs> you know, at his Satanic Majesty's request is also my favorite Stones album. So what, I don't know what, what you to tell do? you about that, though. <laughs> <laughs> I think you need to listen to some Stones <laughs> with better ears. <laughs> it's got two good songs on it. So, yeah, I'll give you that. All right. Well, Wade, do you want to outro us? <laughs> All right. Yeah. All right. Um, so, yeah, that was our thoughts about the beginning of the f- finale, the beginning of the end. Season seven. If you have your own thoughts, uh, shoot us a uh, line at nine one seven four zero eight three eight nine eight. Even better, if you want to shoot us some money, and we'll give you some other stuff. Go to patreon.com slash kickers of elves for all sorts of bonus content over there, mm-hmm. and uh, help us go out with a, a bang here. So do all the things that every podcast wants you to do. Those of you that haven't done anything yet. You know, uh, I I get it, but yeah, do all that stuff, and uh, I'm looking forward to season seven. All right. Well, thanks again for listening to another episode of the Rules of Acquisition. We hope you join us next week as we go through the second episode of season seven. For Wade, James, and myself, three, two, beam out. I don't know.